0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Phantasmic, hosted by none other than myself, Lady Lillian McCobb. Tonight's eerie tales all come from some historic naval ships. All American-based in this one, but if you'd like me to cover another nation's haunted stories from their navy, feel free to leave a comment down below. <laughs> now truth be told, I've always had a fascination with war. Not that I think war is good for anyone on any side, but the tales that arise, the casualties and the story of each life, not just the atrocities or the better side of human nature shining through. It's a bit hard to explain, for me at least, but I suppose the part that fascinates me is how human it is to forget that we're all human. well, okay, maybe not all of us, seeing that I'm a demon, but still, my point still stands. Just because some guy in power says that somehow, some way, some humans are intrinsically better than others, that doesn't make that statement any less true. We are all still human. Now... Since I can't really discuss the topic of war without bringing current events up, my only statement about what's going on with Ukraine and Russia is as follows. And for once, I hope my mom is watching this one to hear me say this. No one wins in a war. Russia never signed into the Geneva Convention, so of course we hear of the absolutely heinous shit that they've been doing and will continue to do, because, quite frankly, they've all been fed propaganda. But war fought in such a dirty way cannot be handled as cleanly as the rest of us outside the mess may hope or think. Ukraine is not entirely innocent. They can't be, but that will not stop me from siding with them, as they, at least, have been trying to show humanity throughout this whole ordeal. When human lives are the playing pieces for some politician's stupid, incredibly fucked up game, no one wins. Now then, my opinion piece on the matter out of the way. No, I will not be taking further questions. I said what I said and I meant it. Let's just get into our haunted ships, yeah? Our first stop was heavily recommended in all my searches, and honestly, once I stumbled on this article, I understood why and just had to discuss it with you all tonight. (laughs) Known as the Grey Ghost, this haunted ship certainly gives meaning to its nickname, but the stinging truth is that this ship is the USS Hornet. I don't think I can do this ship's history much justice, so I'll just dive right into the article and let their words take it from here. Paranormal enthusiasts, who have never actually experienced a ghostly event, may get their first chance aboard the USS Hornet. The volunteers who work the ship in Alameda, California, commonly show visitors how their flashlights will turn on by themselves when left alone, but flashlights are just the beginning. The Hornet CB-12 is one of the most storied ships in American military history. Built after the start of World War II, it was a U.S. Navy workhorse for the most important campaigns of the war. Serving in the fights for New Guinea, Palau, the Marianas, and the Philippines, just to name a few. It just didn't end with the war. The Hornet returned to action in South Vietnam during the Vietnam War and was used to recover command modules and crews during the Apollo program, including the crew that first landed on the Moon in 1969. A ship that earned nine battle stars in World War II is going to carry its share of combat casualties. But the ship also lost an estimated 300 sailors to accidents and suicides throughout its service history. During its tenure, it had one of the highest suicide rates in the Navy. People are still dying by suicide aboard the Hornet, even though it's now a museum ship. For those who believe in this kind of thing, it's no wonder that the Hornet is considered the most haunted ship in the Navy, and one of the most haunted places in America. It's a place where switches allegedly turn on, locker doors open, and objects move by themselves, often by two feet or more. When you're ready to meet a Navy ghost, you can see it for yourself. As the Dana's California Institute of Technology maintains a website for visitors to send their paranormal experiences and ghost stories while aboard the Hornet. Many of these come from the ship's sleepover events, where visitors stay on the carrier overnight. On the site, a woman recalls the night her Girl Scout troop spent aboard the Hornet. She and her friend were returning to their sleeping quarters after using the bathroom. They passed a galley on the way back to their room and heard a man scream for help. Later that night, a man entered their room dressed in khakis. The Girl Scouts cried out in terror and threw a deck of cards that passed right through the man. Dan Brisker was a machinist's mate aboard the Hornet between 1965 and 1969. He was detailed to fire control, which required him to spend his watch in the ship's fire rooms. One night, he was having a snack and suddenly heard work being done in the boiler firebox, despite the fact that he was on the graveyard shift and thought he was alone. As Brisker walked to the firebox to check on the sound, he heard a paint scraper drop to the floor. When he poked his head in the firebox there was nothing there except the paint scraper one family took a private tour of the ship and videotaped all of it during one segment they kept noticing a flash of light in the corner of the screen when they scrolled through the video frame by frame they discovered it wasn't a flash of light at all it was the ghostly apparition of a sailor wearing a white shirt with a pack of cigarettes rolled in the sleeve Stories like these from visitors to the Hornet abound. whether staying for the night or just visiting for a few hours. This is why ghost stories from the ship regularly appear in the newspaper, the East Bay Times. Though people hear ghosts calling out their name or seeing otherworldly shadows moving across the walls, the volunteers who work the ship say that the spirits aboard are benign if not outright friendly. Visitors interested in an encounter with the Navy veterans of World War II, who may not have survived the war, can learn about their service with a paranormal presentation aboard the Hornet. The presentation is followed by an after-dark tour of the ship's ghostly hotspots. So creepy. <laughs> Anyone want to go on a haunted ship tour with me? <laughs> There's just so many stories that can be told from this ship alone that i genuinely just can't help it. I'm itching to go on a haunted ghost tour so bad. Can you tell? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'll, uh, get back on track now. The next American Navy ship has been dubbed the Blue Ghost, and I promise that the pattern is coincidental this time. However, the USS Lexington does have its connections to the USS Hornet. Quote, Parts of the movie *Pearl Harbor* were filmed on the USS Lexington Museum in 2001. The talented Blue Ghost played two roles in the movie: the Japanese ship and the USS Hornet. End quote. Isn't that neat? <laughs> but that's not the history you're here for, is it? Very well then. You've been patient with me this far. I'm you to share the tales of the Blue Ghost herself. There's a reason why people have called the Lexington Museum on the Bay one of the most haunted places in America. There are things that cannot be explained on the decommissioned World War II aircraft carrier, including ghostly touches and shadowy figures roaming the decks. Charles Rusty Russell, director of Operations and Exhibits, said the museum receives hundreds of reports of supernatural activity each year. Among the most famous sightings are a sailor dressed in uniform helping lost guests find their way back to the deck, and a sailor in the engine room giving a lecture on how the turbines work before vanishing into thin air. There are too many accounts that there has to be something to it, said Steve Manta, the museum's executive director. Russell said he has experienced several supernatural occurrences during his 26 years of working on the ship. I've always been a skeptic, but there's some things I've seen, and you just can't explain," he said. The museum official said one of his best ghost stories involved losing six pen caps over the course of five weeks. Quote, I always use a ballpoint pen, and over the course of about a few weeks, I lost about six pen caps off my desk. The day I lost the sixth pen cap, I turned over my office looking for them. My office was spotless by the time I was through looking and never found them. It wasn't until I returned to my office the next morning that I found all six pen caps laying side by side right in front of my computer with a keyboard. Russell said that no one has ever been hurt by the ghosts on the ship. If anything, all of the occurrences have been playful, not menacing. Renee Moreda, the museum's education coordinator, said officials have heard from security officers who heard running in the hangar bay around 3 a.m the damage control officer said he didn't see anything on security cameras and went to see what the noise was coming from he said that was when he witnessed shadow figures running in chaos the officer never came back bill miller volunteer and paranormal tour guide at the lexington said he believes what officers are witnessing at night are sailors running for cover after a torpedo attack hit the ship in Hangar Bay 3. They're constantly doing the same thing over and over again, maintaining the ship, he said of the ghosts he suspects roam the ship. This was their home, and they didn't want to go anywhere else. The World War II aircraft carrier was one of the oldest working carriers in the United States when it was decommissioned in 1991 according to the museum's website commissioned in 1943 she set more records than any other essex class carrier in the history of naval aviation the ship was the oldest working carrier in the united states navy when decommissioned in 1991. an essex class carrier the lexington was originally named the uss cabot during world war ii final construction was being completed on massachusetts four river shipyard When word was received that the original carrier named USS Lexington, a CV-2, had been sunk in the Coral Sea, the new carrier's name was changed to Lexington. After training maneuvers and a shakedown cruise, the carrier joined the 5th Fleet at Pearl Harbor. The fleet was established on April 26, 1944, and was the Central Pacific Force. During World War II, the carrier participated in nearly every major operation in the Pacific Theater and spent a total of 21 months in combat. Her planes destroyed 372 enemy aircraft in the air and 475 more on the ground. She sank or destroyed 300,000 tons of enemy cargo and damaged an additional 600,000 tons. The ship's guns shot down 15 planes and assisted in downing five more according to the museum's site. The Japanese reported that the Lexington sunk no less than four times, yet each time she returned to fight again, leading the propagandist Tokyo Rose to nickname her the Blue Ghost. The name is a tribute to the ship and the crew and the air groups that served aboard her. After the war, the Lexington was briefly decommissioned from 1947 to 1955. When reactivated, she operated mostly with the 7th Fleet out of San Diego, California. The vessel was kept offshore ready to be deployed during tensions in Formosa, Laos, and Cuba. Are you interested in seeing if Lady Lex is really haunted? Well, now you can. Take a normal... You don't want to take a normal tour, you want to take a paranormal tour. Take a paranormal tour of spaces around the ship that have reported sightings or activity, from the engine room to the upper decks of the aircraft carrier. See for yourself if there's something to the ghostly tales. Visitors interested in participating in the ghost tour can contact the sales office to schedule their arrival time after 5pm. The cost is $50 per person, and participants must be 18 years and older. If touring the World War II aircraft carrier is not enough to have you convinced, the museum offers an overnight experience for anyone interested in serious ghost hunting. A group of eight can investigate the ship using their own methods and equipment at night when the ship is closed to the public. The investigation will begin with a briefing by the ship's paranormal investigator, It will guide you to the sites of frequent anomalies. The command center will be in the ship's galley area, but you choose where to set up your remote investigative equipment. Paranormal investigators are asked to bring their own flashlights. Guests can reserve their group tour at the sales office. I will link that in the description below. The cost is $75 per person and $25 per guide. Participants must be 18 years and older. Is it weird if I feel a bit of a kinship with this aircraft carrier simply because of the nickname Lady Lex? Because, uh, not to alarm anyone, but I kinda do. (laughs) I mean, it's a haunted ship, and I love ghost stories, and we're both ladies? I mean, come on. This ship could be a long-lost sister of mine. (laughs) Oh, God, I hope that joke didn't go on for too long. I'm sorry for my terrible humor. I'll get back to the spooky, scary stuff. (laughs) Our final ghostly encounter for the evening takes us aboard the USS The Sullivans. To offer a couple of fun facts before I delve into the ship's stories. Quote, The Buffalo Naval and Military Park's decommissioned Fletcher-class destroyer, DD-537, was the largest and most important class of U.S. destroyers used in World War II. Named after the five brothers from Waterloo, Iowa, who died together aboard the USS Juno CL-52 in November 1942, USS The Sullivans was the only ship in the Navy to be named after more than one person. On board, you'll see what it was like to serve as a tin-can sailor, along with 310 of your shipmates. She's also a place for reflection and remembrance to the five brothers who died together. An act which is borne out in her motto, We Stick Together. End quote. And now, to flesh out those little fun facts. Mm -hmm. Though visitors to the Buffalo Naval and Servicemen's Park may be drawn to the USS Little Rock, the largest vessels on display, or to the submarine berthed nearby, the small destroyer in Little Rock's shadow certainly deserves its share of attention. Between its long history, unique name, and memorable origin story, USS The Sullivans has many different stories to share. And there may be one or two resident spirits on board to share those stories with you. On the cold winter morning of January 12th, 1943, Thomas Sullivan was just about ready to leave his home in Waterloo, Iowa, for another day at work. But right as he was about to step out of the door, a trio of formally dressed military men came knocking. With his five sons all fighting overseas, Thomas knew the grim nature of this house call before any of his guests spoke. These types of messages were becoming unfortunately common as World War II raged on, but Thomas Sullivan received one noticeably different from the others. When he answered his door, the military officers stated they had some news for him about his points. Thomas inquired, which one? I'm sorry, was the response. All five. Known in their younger years as the Fighting Sullivans for their indomitable spirits and inseparability, George, Frank, Joe, Matt, and Al Sullivan grew up doing everything together. So when the eldest of the group joined the U.S. Navy, it wasn't long before all five brothers were training to be naval seamen in the early points of World War II. The five requested assignments to the same ship to keep them together, and although the U.S. Navy had rules against such things, they weren't often enforced. So all five of the fighting Sullivans ended up assigned to service on the USS Juno, serving dutifully until the day the ship was struck by a Japanese torpedo. Only ten sailors survived the Juno sinking, none of them being a Sullivan brother. In honor of the Five Brothers, the U.S. Navy renamed a new ship from the USS Putnam to the USS The Sillivans. The destroyer launched in April 1943 and was training off Pearl Harbor by December. She served as a carrier defender in the Battle of Kwajalein in 1944. God, I hope I pronounced that correctly. And in operation of Hailstone shortly after. After refueling, the Sullivans returned to the Pacific, where she covered USS Iowa in the bombardment of Ponape. Again, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Through the early summer of 1944, the ship fought in the battles of Saipan and the Philippine Sea before moving to Iwo Jima in July. Claims of paranormal encounters on board USS the Sullivans have piled up over the years, with many reports involving shadow figures. One particular figure, encountered often by those touring USS Sullivans, is an apparition drifting slowly through the ship's inner corridors, as if there are a sailor still patrolling the Lower Decks. While this shadow figure is most often said to be a vaguely human-shaped blob of darkness, others have reported it to be much clearer, and at least one person has claimed to have identified this mysterious shadowy sailor. One famed tale of a run-in with this apparition is said to have come from a former night security guard. The guard, rather than encountering a strange misty cloud, ran face-to-face into a bloodied, burned man who quickly disappeared from view. While the guard is said to have quit shortly after, it wasn't before he could positively identify the specter he saw from a memorial photograph on the ship. The photo is the five Sullivan brothers who died aboard USS Juno, and the specter was identified as George, the oldest brother, and the one who survived the longest in the aftermath of Juno's sinking. Further supporting this theory is that few photos of the memorial image of the brothers ever came out clearly, with it often said that George's face is oddly obscured in most photos taken of the memorial. Well, no one can say how or why George Sullivan's ghost came to reside on a ship he never served on, those who have encountered him say he is surveying the ship to make sure it is always up to the standards of a Sullivan memorial. But beyond his shadowy patrols, George's supposed ghost is said to manifest through the electrical systems of the ship. Tourists often report radio equipment coming on by itself, often only to broadcast a strange garbled static. Other times, tour guides will find the ship's equipment activated with no explanation, and oftentimes the equipment isn't operable by a tourist or laypeople, as it would require foreknowledge of how to operate. And while tourists don't have the knowledge to run the ship, many posit that George's Ghost certainly does. So, while the ship isn't likely to move anywhere from the place that it has been for decades, the spirit on board seems interested in keeping it as battle-ready as possible. The ghost stories around the ship have attracted attention from news outlets, television programs, and paranormal enthusiasts from across the nation. While paranormal tours are a common fixture of the museum's event schedule, they've often been held in the past, and many in the area around the museum are quite open about the haunting tales from aboard USS the Sullivans. The ship was also featured on an episode of Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, which increased its notoriety in paranormal circles and elevated its stature as one of Buffalo's most haunted places and one of the most haunted museum ships in the entire United States. So, while the Sullivan's name first entered the history books as the casualties that helped instigate the sole survivor policy of later wars, their name endures today both the well-maintained museum ship that bears their name and the legends that have been built around the ship over its years in Buffalo Harbor. The history behind the ship is devastating. To the point that the US Army and all its sister branches made a rule that there had to be at least one sole surviving child in families where there were several siblings in war. Yes, that is the Sole Survivor Policy. Y'all should really look into it. It's only been in place for 75 years, having been enacted in 1948, I think, give or take. Don't quote me on that year. But it was heavily influenced by the Sullivan Brothers and their tragedy, as the story stated. I'm glad it's in place now, at least. But... We have reached the end of tonight's episode, my darling little phantoms. If you'd like to submit your own personal and or favorite scary stories, you can always at me at any of my socials located in the description, or you can email me at luckymisfortune at gmail.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-M-S-F-O-R-T-U-N-E at gmail. Although, while you're checking the description, You may also notice links to Patreon, Copy, OnlyFans, and Throne. For those who wish to either financially support this project or buy me gifts, for whatever reason, of course, (laughs) your support is much appreciated, even if you're merely a returning listener. Once we reach 500 of you darling little phantoms, I will be sharing a real ghost experience that happened to me. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. So please subscribe, follow, whatever it is the platform you're tuning in on, unless you do, so you can be sure to be there when I share my story. Thank you all so very much for tuning into this evening's episode of Fantastic. The shadows may be creeping at the door, but I'm sure if you just close your eyes and rest your head, they'll leave you alone. Or they might drag you into the shadow realm. There's really no telling what those sneaky shadows will do. (laughs) Good night.